Welcome to Roman's Road, the podcast of me, Eddie Roman. This is where we talk about evangelism and apologetics and all kinds of Christian stuff. All right, today we're going to be looking at a conversation I had with Chase. Chase is a young man. He is also homeless. He is also a drug addict. And we're going to be going over that, but this reminded me of something that happened recently here in my own neighborhood. There was a young man, and he was sitting on one of those electrical boxes. Just, you know, you see him on the side of the road, just uh, in, in California at least. They're big and green, and they're just uh, the thing that keeps the neighborhood running, just big electrical box. And there was a guy sitting on it, looked like he was around 17, 18, and he was sitting on it all day. And someone I know went up to him and started asking him questions about what he was doing there. Turned out this guy in his last year of high school had gotten a D on his report card recently and he had been kicked out of his house by his dad who didn't accept that. And now he's in his neighborhood and he's homeless. Here's a guy and now he just has no idea what to do. He's just sitting on this box all day just wondering what to do. And so this story actually has a good ending. I have a friend who is a Christian. This man, um, his son, went to school with the kid sitting on the electrical box. Uh, the kid found out about it, and he invited him to, into his house. The, the, the parents said, sure. And now the 18-year-old has been living at the house for about a month, and he's working, and he's basically making steps to... Uh, not be homeless anymore. So so that is a great example of what we as the church can do for people who are just in horrible situations. You know, the Bible says a lot about helping the poor. In Proverbs 19:17, it says, "One who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deed." Proverbs 21:13, "He who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be answered. Man, that's a scary one. <laughs> I'm going to read that again. He who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and will not be answered. Even though often when we look at someone who's poor, um, when we look at someone who's homeless, we immediately think, oh, that guy's there because he's a drug addict. That guy's there because he got himself into, his, into this situation. I'm not going to help him. And yet, most often, we don't know the situation. We don't know what's going on. And here God is warning, man, you better, you better not ignore the poor. And then Proverbs 14.31, He who oppresses the poor taunts his maker, but he is gracious to the needy, honors him. So if you want to honor your maker, be gracious to the needy. I love that. You know what? While I do try to help the poor, regardless of... Of the reason they are poor, you know, whether they be a self-inflicted drug addict or, you know, however you want to put it, I also want to help them by preaching the gospel to them. Ultimately, they need a change of heart that desires righteousness. And so I'm, I'm talking about alcoholics, drug addicts specifically now. We can help them by, by giving them food, you know. Um, I know guys who carry gift cards, and whenever a homeless person approaches them, they give them a gift card, and that's a great thing because now you know, at least you know in general, a homeless person isn't going to be able to use a gift card to Starbucks to buy some heroin. But if you give them money, 
you don't know what they're going to do with it. So I like to give a person gift cards, you know, to, to kind of settle that possibility, at least in my mind, that that could happen. But the main thing that poor people and rich people need is, is the gospel. So like, you know, take an a alcoholic, a drug addict. If they are continually doing the thing that's going to keep them further and further away from God, if they're going to continue to be swimming in their sin, and that sin is a thing that keeps them homeless, keeps them from being able to have a stable job, keeps them from being able to have a, a relationship with the people they love, if that sin is the thing that is going to keep them homeless for years, well, then doesn't it make sense that that should be addressed? And that's why I preach the gospel to the homeless people that I encounter. I don't just do that. Often Christians get criticized for only talking and not doing anything. And I think there, there's some truth to that criticism. We should be willing to be generous and, and be willing to give. And so I do that. I will often invite homeless people to have a meal with me. So if, if I'm at the beach and maybe I'm preaching or, or, or witnessing and I encounter a homeless person and they might say, hey, you think you can spare a couple bucks? I'm really hungry. I'll often say, well, you know what? I'm preaching right now, but if you're going to be around here when I'm done, which is in like 30 minutes, um, I'll take you across the street. We'll go over to that subway and I'll, I'll buy you something to eat. That's usually what I, what I offer. Most of the time, they turn it down. But every once in a while, they're genuinely hungry, and they take me up on it. So I've had a good amount of, of meals with homeless people. And in those meals, I just make it a point to preach the gospel. They're eating, I'm talking the entire time. And, I don't, and, and thinking back, I don't think I've ever had a situation where I was feeding someone and preaching the gospel at the same time where they didn't listen. Anyway, that's, that's kind of how I do it. So... I'm driving to Huntington Beach the other day. It's about uh, 7 in the morning. I'm almost there. Stop at a gas station, and this guy comes up to me, and he asks me for some money. So I give him a gift card, and I go to hand him a gospel tract. So I, I'm giving him both. And I give him this tract, and this guy, and he's, he's, he's young. He's like, I don't know, 18, 20, but he looks rough. He's worked, um, just, you know, his, his skin and his hair have that, I've been outside for a long time look, and his arm is in this sling band-aid thing that I can tell he made himself with like a t-shirt or something, there's, there's blood on it, it just looks gnarly. So anyway, I go to give him this tract, and he gets really excited, it's a gospel tract, and he's like, dude, I just met God the other day, and he's, his face lit up. You know, I've had homeless people before just kind of go along with my gospel presentation seemingly insincerely in a desire to, to basically agree with me so they can they can get what they want type of thing. But this wasn't that. He genuinely was, was happy to be holding this little tract in his hand. So I couldn't be late for work. So I, so I said, hey, man, do you hang out around here, this gas station? And, and, and he said, yeah, I'm, I'm here a lot, but... Uh, why? And I said, well, I get off work uh, this afternoon. If you're around here, I could take you out to lunch if you want. And he goes, yeah, dude, that'd be great. Um, can I give you my phone number? And, you know, that's always funny to me. Homeless guys have phones. Um, anyway, so I give him my number and that's that. And I go on with my day. I kind of forget about it. And as I'm driving home, so, so day, day at the beach with Ray Comfort filming ends, I'm driving home and I get this call and it's him. 
And he says, hey, man, uh, can we go eat? <laughs> so I said, all right. So anyway, I met him and we go to a place. We're outside. We're eating. And he just starts talking to me. He starts telling me all the problems in his life. And I say, hey, man, you know what? I got a podcast. Can I record this? <laughs> And he's like, sure, man, that'd be great. And so anyway, this, what I'm about to play, but what a weird thing to ask. You know, here I am just listening to this guy and he's pouring his heart out. And I'm like, uh, hey, by the way, can I record this? I got a podcast. And in this world of everybody wanting to be famous on a podcast, he's like, yeah, man, let's do that. He, he literally said, yeah, let's do this. So it was fun. Anyway, so here is my conversation with Chase. So Chase, you came up to me and, and told me that you're homeless, and uh, you said you've been going through a hard time. So, so tell me, you know, what's it like being homeless right now? Um, it's pretty hard being homeless right now. You know, it's a struggle every day to find food, and just like there's so many people homeless, so it's like the population. It's just really you just got really grind. It's not it's not easy at all. All right, and, and then something that I thought was really interesting, you told me you were homeless, and then I, I gave you a uh, gospel tract, and you immediately said, hey, man, I, 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 uh, I found God recently. You know, you said, I met God recently. Tell me about that. What happened? You know, I've been, I was going through a struggle. I moved to California about a year ago. I met my biological parents, and it, it, it kind of traumatized me a little bit went through some stuff and you just know when God's there he just gives you that you just feel that Holy Ghost in you so it's been it's been all right it's scary but it's been awesome all right so you mentioned the Holy Ghost you got any kind of church or Christian background yeah I've been to church I've been to church my whole life but I just kind of like rotated churches I never had that stable church every Sunday you know it's always been me moving all go to this church every Sunday with my friend and then I move again and then I'll go to different churches so it's never been that one stable church now why why is that why did you uh keep moving churches um mainly because I would say my parents they got new jobs different jobs just just different states you know we didn't have time to go to church all right now uh, a minute ago you told me that you found out some horrible things about your parents is that something you're willing to share or is that a little too personal um it's not it's not nothing really i want to share but you know it's just like some stuff is just be better left unsaid you know gotcha so let me ask you this what would you say the difference is in your life before you met god and after you met god did anything change all right, now this is a very important question that you're going to want to bring up with people when you're talking to them when they claim to be a Christian, you know? So often people will go to church and they'll have some kind of religious experience, but nothing will really change in their life. They will not stop sinning in the way they were before they became a Christian or allegedly became a Christian. And a lot of times, this is a result of the bad teaching at the church they go to. So if you go to a church that's constantly excluding anything in their messages having to do with sin, or God's judgment, or His righteousness, or His holiness, or hell, you're going to have a theology that really doesn't have any information for you as far as your need to repent. You're not going to have anything that tells you after you get drunk and you wake up on 
a Saturday morning that basically is saying, what you did last night was sin. If you keep doing that, you will be going to hell. And that's very clear in the Bible. You need to stop doing this. And here's why from the Bible. Sadly, a lot of people go to churches for for years and they never hear anything having to do with sin. And so I don't know if this has been Chase's experience, but I do know that if a person can go to church for years and years and years and sin, maybe the problem is with the church. If the church is not teaching a person what repentance is, the turning away from sin, the trusting in God rather than trusting in yourself when it comes to issues of idolatry and drug and alcohol abuse, I put those in the categories of idolatry simply because instead of trusting in God and running to him for your hope and your comfort and your problem solving, so many people, they're running to the bottle, they're running to the Oxycontin, they're running to the drugs that give a temporary fix to the pain and the problems and the hurt and all this stuff that people deal with. So it's an idol. It's a replacement of the true and living God, at least in someone's mind, when it comes to getting their problems solved. You know, someone once said, the world looks a whole lot better after a six-pack. And I'm convinced that most people, Christians included, the reason they drink is simply because the world looks better after they start getting that buzz. And that's an idol. It's idolatry. Anyway, I've, I've asked Chase, what changed? What, what changed from before you pay, became a Christian to after? Let's see what he says. Yeah, I think everything, everything changes. Your, your outlook on life, what you want to do, how you do it. And then you know, like, because if you're a sinner, or, everyone's a sinner. So you just, you just know because, like, you'll be, if you, right before you're about to do something, you'll be like, oh, yeah, you just see the signs from God. There's, God gives signs to, to his people because he's a good God. He's not going to lead you away. So it's, it's harder. It's harder. It's harder. It's awesome. But at the same time, you're like, yo, he's always watching me. But it's, it feels good. It feels good to meet God, you know? So that's actually a pretty good answer. I mean, it's, it's not, you know, laced with scripture, but in general, you know, he's, it, that I, I could understand him saying, well, the Holy Spirit now convicts me of sin. So that's good. Nothing wrong with that. Um, let's let's uh, see what else he says. So it sounds like your conscience is a little more aware of, of when you're going to do right or wrong. Am I, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, pretty much like right or wrong. Like if I'm a sinner or if I'm going to go to hell or like, or am I already, did God, am I running from God? Like I'll run, like I'll run. I was, I was running for a little bit, you know, running away because I knew he was watching me, but I just, I just ran, you know. Now, Chase, a minute ago, you also told me that you kind of didn't know for sure whether God was on your side or not. And you kind of said that you sometimes feel like he just isn't like your friend or something like that. T- tell me a little bit more about that. What do you mean by that? Okay. Um, I mean, like, you know, it, I guess just tribulations, honestly, just like, um, you'll do something and some bad happens. You'll be like, you just be like, Ooh, God, man, it's your fault. It's your fault. Even though God's a good God, it's the only person's fault is, is yourself. So you can't really change anything about that. Man, Chase, I'm, I'm hearing, it sounds like you've been to some good churches. You, you mentioned tribulation. You mentioned God being good. You mentioned some things that I think a lot of Christians don't even 
think about or even know, and yet you seem to have, have at least learned some of the basic truth, truths about God. So one thing I like to do when I'm talking to, to people, even if I'm getting the sense that they're an unbeliever or they're involved in some kind of sin, and, and with Chase, you, you can't see his face, but if you were looking into eye, his eyes like I am, it's very clear that this guy is on some kind of drug at the moment. Right. And and so we're going to get to that in this conversation. But I like to affirm when people say things that are true. So I'm not just going to blast this guy and saying, well, yeah, you said that. But really, look at your eyes. You're you're stoned or whatever. No, I want to have a conversation with, with this person and with any person. So I will affirm when people say something that's that's true. And and a few things he said, they're like, yeah, that that's that sounds Pretty good, so I'm gonna affirm that. At the same time, you're kind of saying, I'm not, I'm not sure he's around me. I'm not sure he's on my team. What are some things other than tribulations that, that make you kind of feel maybe you're not right with God or maybe he, he doesn't like you? Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Yeah. Um, I would say just my past, my past. You know, I don't like really talking about it, but you know, we all have We all have that stuff we don't want to tell no one or sorry my language but you know it's just like it's like you don't you don't want to express it we all sin you know we all have sinned and it just it catches up to you that's how you know when when god when you find god you're gonna you're gonna know because all the stuff you did has caught up to you it starts it starts catching up to you quick and you you start realizing is god on my side or is it my time to go does god want me to go so that's that's pretty my best explanation for that. No, that, that's, I, th- I think you explained it really well. The Bible actually talks about us reaping what we sow. Basically, it's saying when we sin, we're going to feel the f- effects of that sin. And that goes for Christians, too. We can be a Christian and still mess up and do stuff where we're going to feel the uh, effects of that. You, th- you think maybe that's kind of what you're experiencing in, in some sense, maybe? Yeah, I would say, yeah, the effects of all the sin, you know, it catches up to you. You feel pain, you know, and, you know, you, you look to God every day. That's the only person you can look to, especially when you're homeless, you know, back to being homeless. All you have is God. That's the the biggest issue I would say I have. Like, it's just like, ooh, you know, when you, you feel like you, you start grinding up, you get to the top, and then you... you Goodbye, God. I don't need God no more. I'm good. I got money. I got a job. That's that's the, the the issue, you know. He'll start catching up to you, and he'll start he'll start watching watching you. You know, he'll he'll be around. You might not see him, but he'll be around. He's always around. Now that's really good. Now, now Chase, one thing I noticed on your arm there, you got two things that are that are kind of a little opposite. You got a tattoo. It looks like it says blessed, and then you also have. A big old band-aid and it looks like a, a cut-up hand. T- tell me first. Tell me about the tattoo. What? Why did you get a tattoo that says "blessed"? Okay. Um, I got a tattoo uh, for "blessed." Um, my friend actually did it. Um, we're both re- believers. You know, we went to church together. It was, it's pretty cool. You know, I just felt like I was a child of God. You know, we're all child of God. I, I was like, yo, if anything, I'm gonna get something about God on me. You know. So you got your tattoo, and then also. You got this this big old band-aid wrap around your hand. Tell tell me what that's all about. Yeah, that's the back to the sins again, man. You got 
fighting, just fighting in the streets, homeless, you know, just, um, you know, just disrespecting, disrespecting just at all, all aspects of disrespect. There's not, nothing else to that. That's, that's what's happened to my hand, you know. So, so, so someone disrespected you and you got into a, a fight? I wouldn't say that, but just it's, it, it got, it got like, you know, just like altercations, you know? Gotcha. So let me ask you this. When we were first talking, it kind of sounded like, and correct me if I'm wrong, kind of sounded like you understand a lot of the word of God. You know what it means to be a Christian. And yet you're not sure if you are a Christian. Is, am I hearing that right? Yeah, I'm not sure I'm exactly Christian, but I I know there's God, there's a God. It's just like everything in my life, you know, there's a, I'll walk in there one time when I was homeless, you know, it's just a repeating process, you know, you reap what you sow, but like God's still there no matter what. He's always there. That's the only person that's going to be there really for you. All right. Now, at this point, a lot of poorly taught Christians might just start saying something like, well, bro, if you believe you're a Christian, then you are a Christian um, because it's just all about faith. And that would be absolutely detrimental to this guy right now, simply because if he is continuing to use drugs, if he's living in a way that is against God, and, you know, if he's out there fighting and on drugs, pretty good indication that he's, he's not walking with the Lord. The worst thing I could do is just to give him some false assurance by saying, oh, all you got to do is, is just keep praying and, and keep believing in God and, and you'll be fine. No, that, that is not how it works. That is not biblical. The Bible talks about repentance. The Bible says, do not be deceived in 1 Corinthians 6, those who practice these things and drunkenness, drunkenness, or in other words, intoxication, and that can be being intoxicated by drugs or meth or oxycotton or whatever, just being intoxicated, those who practice those things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And so that, that's a really important thing to remember. So I'm not going to give someone false assurance by just saying, all right, well, just believe and see you later. You know, no, not at all. I, I want to help him to get to the bottom of whatever it is that is issued before God is. That's my hope here. Even in family too, God, God, you're supposed to look to God first, then your family. So that's true. That's very true. Let me ask you this, um, just, just kind of a, a, a quick question I like to ask people. If I was not a Christian and I came to you and I said, Chase, how do I become a Christian? In, in 30 seconds or less, what would you tell me? How does a person become a Christian? First of, first of all, I would say start with a prayer. Start with a prayer. I know there's this one prayer. forget exactly what it is, but, um, you know, start with the prayer. Uh, maybe get baptized find a church and that, that's probably the the start you know find a church would be the biggest one you know you can talk to your priest all the people everyone's helping helping at the churches they all show love so it sounds like just there's some religious stuff you got to do and then once you you do that this prayer that you don't remember what it is but there's some kind of prayer that you can pray and that's how you become a christian yeah, pretty much, man. Um, so, like, for me, I, I I just started out, like, I just, I was born through God, I think. I just always, God was always with me when I was in elementary school. 
to high school to now just he just was always there with me so that that's just that's why i put blessed to that tattoo blessed all right so chase um i'm gonna be very honest with you here i think it's super important that you figure out whether or not you're a christian and in in reading the bible it kind of shows us how we can do that it actually says in uh the book of first john chapter five it says these things are written so that you may know whether or not you have eternal life. So we can know where we stand before God. So if you knew there was a, pl- a way so where you could know for sure whether you're a Christian or not, is that something you would want to know? Of course, yeah. Yeah, of course. Okay, so, so I have a way that I like to explain it to people. It's, I, I found it's kind of the simplest, clearest way, and I call it the, the good person test. So is it okay if I give you that good person yeah. test right now? Yeah, it's okay. All right, so Chase, let me ask you this. Would you consider yourself to be a good person? Yes. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to ask you some questions, and and we're going to find out if that's true. I'm not going to judge you, but you're going to judge yourself. Is that okay? Yes, that's okay. So, so Chase, how many lies do you think you've told in your whole life? Oh, that's uncountable. Uncountable a lot, a lot. All right, so what do you call someone who tells an uncountable amount of lies? A liar. Yeah. Have you ever stolen anything? Yeah, I've stolen. Okay, what do you call someone who steals things? A thief. Yeah, so what are you? A thief. You're a lion thief, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm a lion thief. Okay, okay. Thanks for going along with this. Um, have you ever used God's name in vain? Used God's name as a cuss word? Uh, yes. Okay, so that's called blasphemy. And you think about it, God has given us every good thing. And yet we use his name instead of a four-letter filth word. Pretty disrespectful to our creator, wouldn't you think? Yeah, it's pretty disrespectful. Another question. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Yes, I have. So you went to a, a Christian church. You know what lust is, right? Yeah, like, yes, I know what lust is. Okay, so Jesus actually said, you know you're not supposed to commit adultery. But I say to you, if you've looked at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery already in your heart that's what jesus said so as far as he's concerned lusting after a woman is is just as serious and just as sinful as committing adultery did you ever hear that before yes i heard that before okay okay it's it's good to know that you've been to church because a lot of this stuff you kind of already know um last question have you ever been angry at someone or hated someone yes i've been angry at people yeah i imagine being on the street you get into a lot of uh I don't know, altercations? Yeah, a lot of altercations. All right, and so another thing Jesus said was, you know you're not supposed to murder anyone. Have you ever murdered anyone? No. Well, that's good, because <laughs> I don't know if I'd be feeling good sitting here talking yeah. to you like this. Yeah, I understand. Um, another thing Jesus said was, you know you're not supposed to murder anyone, but I say to you, if you've ever hated someone or been angry at someone, you've committed murder already in your heart. Have you ever heard that one before? No, I haven't. Yeah, God's standard, the, the thing that he thinks is, is wrong or right or good or bad, it's a lot different than ours. You know, we, we have a very low standard. We, we let ourselves get away with all kinds of sin, but God's a lot more holier than us, and he has a higher standard. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. All right, so, so, so Chase, here's where it gets a little bit serious. You've just admitted to being a liar and a thief. <laughs> A liar, thief. And a blasphemer and an adulterer at heart and a murderer at heart. 
Yeah. You ever think about that before? No, I haven't. I haven't thought of that. You know, when, when we think of sin, we usually think of like the really serious stuff. We think of robbing a bank or like killing someone. But as far as God's concerned, his Ten Commandments are the standard of right or wrong. And that's what we've just done. We've just looked at five of the Ten Commandments. You shall not kill. You shall not steal. You shall not use God's name in vain. You've heard those before, right? Yes, I have. So, Chase, let me ask you this. If God was to judge you, like, like let's say let's say you were to die tonight. I hope you don't, but let's say okay. you were died to die tonight in one of these scuffles with another homeless person. <laughs> yeah. Why is that funny? Just I don't know how to explain it. All right, all right. I I, I laugh at morbid yeah. stuff too sometimes. Yeah. Um, if God was to judge you based on His law, the Ten Commandments, and He was to see you as what you've just admitted to being a liar and a thief and a, a blasphemer. Would he see you as someone who's innocent or someone who's guilty? Guilty. And if God saw you as guilty, should he send you to heaven or should he send you to hell? What should he do with you? I would want him to send me to heaven, but if I'm guilty, I guess hell. That makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I like what you said. I would want him to send me to heaven. I don't think there's a person alive on this earth who would want God to send them to hell. Everybody wants to go to heaven. And yet you also said... You'd probably be going to hell if he's if if like he actually is God, and does what he say says he's gonna do. Well, uh, what do, what do you think about that? All that does that is that like super serious to you, or you never thought about that? Like, what are your thoughts right now? Um, I never really thought of it like that. I kind of back to what you were saying, robbing, banks, stuff like that, big, big sins, you know, big breaking the law. I never really thought of it as those little little the little things. It's funny, they're little to us because we're the ones doing them and we think, eh, it's just a little sin. But you think about God and how holy and perfect and righteous he is. The Bible actually says that his eyes are too pure to look upon evil, any kind of evil. In the book of James, it says that if you've broken the law in just one point, just one place, so like one of the Ten Commandments, you've broken the whole thing. So it's not like God grades on a curve. It's not like he says, oh... Chase has only done three sins. This guy over here has done 50. So Chase gets to heaven and, and this other guy goes to hell. No, according to God, one sin is enough to, to send us to hell. Isn't that crazy? It is pretty crazy to think about, yeah. But it makes sense when you think about how holy and pure God is. What, what, do you agree with that? Uh, totally, 100%. 100%. All right, so here we have a case of what I think is just someone who went to churches that just didn't teach God's holiness, didn't teach the seriousness of sin. There's so many churches out there that claim to be Christian, and they don't teach their people about sin and the seriousness of sin before a holy God. And so I really think that's what's going on here is that Chase doesn't have a realistic biblical view of his sin and maybe he's gone that way his whole life maybe he has adopted the view that he is a victim based on what his parents did or didn't do and there's definitely a lot of truth in people being victims but when a person takes a victim mentality that basically blames everything in their life on everybody else and that coupled with a very low view of the importance of sin um, you're going to get a guy who just doesn't really think that it's 
very important as far as like what you do in your life before a holy God. So Chase, things aren't looking very good for you if, if you were to die tonight. Yeah, it's not looking pretty good for me right now. It's not. I actually like the fact that you admit that because a lot of people at this point, when they, when they realize how holy God is and, and that their sin actually is going to get them to hell, a lot of people, they start arguing and they start fighting and they say, you know what, God, God's not going to send me to hell. I'm, I'm good enough. I'm better than that bank robber over there. I'm better than that homeless person over there. But I like the fact that you're saying, no, I, I, I understand it. God would send me to hell. That's actually a good place to be. Let me ask you this. Do you know what God did for you that even though you deserve to go to hell, you don't necessarily need to go there because of something God did? Do you know what that is? Um, I would say he had his son Jesus die for us on the cross to save us. Absolutely, man. That's the answer. We broke God's law every time we lied and stealed and done all that stuff. We broke God's law. Jesus paid the fine. So when Jesus died on the cross, that's what he was doing there. He was not giving us an example. He was not showing us like how to suffer. He was paying the price for our sin. It's kind of like this. If, 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 uh, let, let's say that, that van I'm driving, let's say I just stole it. I actually just stole it, right? Um, and I gave you a ride in a stolen van. You didn't even know it. Um, let's say a cop pulls up and says, hey, man, we've been looking for this van. Eddie, you're, you're coming with us. You're under arrest. And then I, find, I end up being in court, and the judge says, what do you have to say for yourself? I say, your honor, I know I stole the van, but I'm really a pretty good guy. Other than that, I have a job, I, I take care of my wife and kids, so I'm hoping you're just going to let me go. What do you think the judge is going to say to me? You're guilty. He's going to say, I don't care about that other stuff. You stole this van, you're guilty. And in the same way, even though we might do good things here and there, the reality is we're guilty of sinning before a holy God. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead, he took care of all that. And the promise of the Bible is this. If we turn from our sin, and that word turn, um, repent. Exactly. What does repent mean? To, uh, I, actually, I really don't know, but I've heard it before. Yeah, yeah w there's all these church words that we hear, but we don't really know what they mean. <laughs> so repent, it just means to turn. To turn. So it's like, imagine you're like doing drugs and that's the way you're living. You turn from that and you, you stop doing that. And the Bible actually says that God grants repentance. He's the one that can help you to do that. Now, to tell a drug addict that, yeah, you just need to stop. <laughs> well, obviously it's not that easy. That's why I want to make it clear that it's not just about him stopping. It's about him crying out to God and depending on God to give him the ability, give him the strength to do that. God is able to free drug addicts from their life of sin. He just is. And I'm not saying every drug addict that turns to God is going to have an easy road to recovery, but it's important that Chase understands that not only does God require him to turn from his sin, but God can also enable him to turn from his sin. And it's going to be God's way of doing it. And that might require help from church. That might require a lot of different things. 
but to tell someone, well, you just need to stop. <laughs> well, it's not, it's not always that easy. And that's why I want to just make sure he understands that this isn't something that he just does by himself. It's something that God can help him with. So repentance, it means to turn and it begins in your mind. So like right now, maybe you have some kind of thought of how you can get to heaven, maybe by being a good person or maybe by not being so bad anymore, or maybe even by stopping sinning, you need to turn from those thoughts and trust in Jesus Christ, the fact that he died on the cross and rose from the dead, right? So in, in other words, we turn from our wrong beliefs and we turn to the true beliefs about Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. What do you think about that? Um, I think that's pretty awesome. He gives us a chance, you know, if he didn't give us a chance, we'd be doomed. I would just say make sure that when you say he gives us a chance, you don't mean he gives us a chance to start over and be good again because that's not the chance he gives us. If that was the chance, then none of us would make it to heaven because none of us can be good enough. The chance he gives us is he paid the price for our sin and the only hope, the only chance any of us have to make it to heaven and to get right with God is to put our faith in Jesus Christ. What do you think about that? Um, I think that's the only way. If you're not, if you're not going to put that effort to put your, your heart in Jesus Christ, then you don't deserve to be in heaven. You deserve to be in hell. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. So, so Chance, let me ask you this. Do you think that actions speak louder than words? Do you think that you can tell something about a person based on what they do more than what they say? You know, are you following me at all? Um... Yeah, I follow you on that. Um, honestly, I think it's the same. You know, if, if if your actions don't line up with your words, like if you if you could you could do the actions, but if you you still treat people like or you you're like you said a good person, I give back. I give back. I give back money. Doesn't mean you're going to heaven. You know. Absolutely right. I think it's important to remember that our actions need to match our words, especially. When we're, th- when we're thinking about whether or not we're a Christian. The Bible actually says some pretty serious things along the lines of making sure we're not fooling ourselves. In, in, uh, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, it, it basically says, don't be deceived. Don't be fooled. There's certain things that you can keep doing in your life that'll just kind of show you won't be going to heaven, right? It it says, do not be deceived, neither fornicators, so that's people who are having sex outside of marriage, or or drunkards, people who keep getting drunk, and uh, partiers, and these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then, after that, it says something amazing. It says, and such were some of you, but you were washed. And so, In that book of the Bible, the Apostle Paul, he's talking to people who used to be drug addicts. They used to be having sex outside of marriage, and they were going straight to hell, but then God saved them. They were washed, and they don't do that stuff anymore. Now, again, when I say uh, drug addicts, um, um, you know, I, I use addiction, whether it's drugs or alcohol, I use it all interchangeably, and I really believe that that's based out of 1 Corinthians 6, starting at verse 9. And so I want to I read those verses real quick and just, just do a quick little uh, look at this. Because, you know, I've heard people say, well, marijuana is not in the Bible. Or, you know, Oxycontin is not in the Bible. 
you know, there's a lot of weak arguments out there where people try to justify their sin, but I want to show that from the Bible's perspective, the issue is intoxication. All right, so let's look at Ephesians 5, verse 15, and it says, uh, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. All right, so when it says, do not get drunk with wine, there in Ephesians 5.18, in the Greek, and I got a, I, I got a Greek dictionary, Bible dictionary open before me, and it says uh, the word for drunk is methyo, and it just means be drunk, cause to become intoxicated. So that's the issue, being intoxicated. You know, you, you have these arguments between Christians on, well, was, was Jesus, when he said, don't, when he talked about wine, what did he mean grape juice or did he mean alcohol or, or, or what is it? You know, should we just drink grape? And, the, and even in there, even there, the issue is the intoxication. <laughs> Because, you know, nobody gets drunk drinking Welch's grape juice. You don't see these little toddlers walking around just buzzed, sucking on their little uh, juice drink there. You know, no, the issue is intoxication. And so when the Bible talks about being drunk, the, the issue is intoxication. And so you can be intoxicated with alcohol and with many other drugs. You could be intoxicated on marijuana. Whatever the issue is, the Bible clearly says here in, in Ephesians 5, do not become intoxicated. And then it says, for that is dissipation. And the word dissipation there, it basically is incurable or in a hopeless state. Literally means a lost life. Dissipation. That's what a drunkard is. That's the issue here. And so it says, do not do that, but be filled with the Spirit. A whole lot of weird teaching can be surrounded on on, on this one, especially in like uh, charismatic churches. They just... They just take this this uh, phrase, be filled with the Spirit, and they run all over the place with that. But again, looking at the Bible dictionary here, be filled with the Spirit. The word fill there is pleru, and it means fill, complete, full. It just means to be filled with something. And then it says here in the dictionary, just as a person can be full of pain, joy, love, and virtue, he can also be said to be filled with God possessed and inspired by God. So it's a very simple, very simple concept. You can be filled with inspiration from drugs and alcohol, or you can be filled with inspiration and guidance from God. Very simple. There's, there's not a whole lot of mysticism or anything surrounding this issue. You are controlled by something. It's either God or it's yourself or it's the alcohol. So whatever it is, you need to make sure that you're being filled with God. You know, and, and obviously that means through the Bible, through prayer, through fellowship, through just a life where you're constantly being changed and, and grown and sanctified by the Lord. So that's the issue. Be filled with God. And then also uh, back to 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 11. And, and, and this is a very clear, easy to communicate verse. Um, I already talked about it to chase in the in the interview here but it basically says do not be deceived and i and i like to start with that phrase there do not be deceived because a lot of people they think that they can get drunk and everything's fine they can hold their liquor it's like a manly thing to hold your liquor and you know not be a lightweight that's just deception do not be deceived 
People say, oh, I'm not drunk, I'm just buzzed. Well, that's stupid. My question is, how do you know you're buzzed? And it's because, well, I feel a little bit drunk, <laughs> basically. So don't deceive yourself into thinking that it's okay for you to be buzzed all the time as long as you're not getting drunk, because that just becomes a self-deceptive semantic. You know, you're fooling yourself. This is a battle that happens not only on the street with a guy who's a wino on the floor next to the liquor store. It also happens in churches. So th this is a, uh, it's an important thing. You need to know these two verses. And so one of the best ways you can know whether or not you are really a Christian or not is just to look at your life and ask yourself this question. From the time I got saved until now, has there been a change? And has that change been in the way that God wants it to be? What do you think about that? Um, I go. I think it goes along the line of repent. Um, you know, you gotta. Uh, if you're not going to change, you're going to keep doing the same thing. Um, I really don't think God's gonna really show much vibe. Like you might be have millions, you might have the nicest cars, but when 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 you go when you go when he, when your time comes. He doesn't care about no materialistic things. He, he's going to review your actions. So. Yeah, uh, and, and he's given us our own actions that we can review for ourselves. You know, we don't need to wait until God reviews our life. We can do it now and, and just try to do whatever we can to, uh, to, to change. So, Chase, um, have you ever heard the gospel explained in that way before? Uh, no, I haven't. And, and does it does it make sense? I think it makes 100%, 100%. I mean, you think about it. People are always saying Jesus is our Savior, but a lot of people don't understand what is it we need to be saved from. And, and the answer is we need to be saved from hell. We need to be saved from God's judgment because we're sinners. Repentance and faith. That's what Jesus preached, Mark chapter 1. That's what Paul and the disciples preached. They went out and they preached, repent and believe. Yeah, I agree with that 100%, man, 100%. So, Chase, when do you think you're going you're gonna to do that? When, when do you see yourself as repenting and putting your faith in Jesus Christ? Um, I don't see like anyone doing it at all at once or a planned day. I think it takes more than time, maybe seconds hours minutes it just it all depends on you you know you can't all just repent in one day oh i repent all my sins it's not going to work like that you know you got you got to work on it and like show them that you you actually repent well I, okay so i i kind of agree with that let me explain what i mean i do agree that it is a lifelong thing like it's not like you repent once and then you're good and you can just go on and sin however you want for the rest of your life Every time we have a thought that goes against God, every time we have a, a temptation, um, every time we, we sin, we need to repent. We need to turn from that. And so the Bible also talks about sanctification, which is it's just a big word. It just means the process of becoming more and more into the person Jesus Christ wants you to be. And God does that. God's the one who changes you over time. But I will say this. If you repent now and trust in him now, He'll help you to repent. So like another thing I'm hearing from you and correct me if I'm wrong is that it sounds like you've kind of tried before. You've tried to be good, but you keep messing up. What I would say is this, whatever you're putting your hope in every time you mess up, 
stop putting it in that and start putting in Jesus Christ, the fact that he died on the cross and rose from the dead, right? A lot of times what we do is we say, oh man, I messed up. I'm just going to be good now. And we just try as hard as we can, but we're really not trusting God. We're just trusting in ourselves, And we're saying, I can do this. I'm powerful enough. I'm strong enough. When the whole reason Jesus died on the cross is because we're not strong enough. We don't have that power. That's why we need a savior. Does that make sense? That's a hundred percent right there. All right, I'm going to shift the, the questions just a little, little bit. It seems to me like you understand what the Bible says about how to get saved now, right? Would you say you do? Yeah, I do. Earlier, we, we were just talking about drugs and alcohol and stuff. And I asked you, is that something you've, you've struggled with recently? Um, when would you say is the last time that you did drugs or got, got drunk or anything that like you're, you're kind of altering your mind? When, when's the last time you think you did that? Probably earlier today. Yeah. And would you say that's one of the reasons that's kind of affecting your life to make it so you're you're staying out on the street? Um, I would say a little bit so, yeah. There's other stuff that that goes into that, but drugs is 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 a, is a real problem too. It seems to me that you would understand that doing drugs is a sin. Am I wrong about that or am I right? Uh, you're right. Okay. And why is it that you continue to, to sin by doing drugs even though you know it's not the right thing to do? Because it seems to me like you understand who God is and you understand what sin is. Why would you say that you continue to, to sin in that way? Um, honestly, I think people use drugs, uh, me, I, to fill the void. You know, pain, you know, it, it's just like people say, it's hard to trust the God we can't see. You know, you got to put your faith into God. So that's the, probably the reason why I use drugs. That's very honest to you. Thank, thank you for saying that. Let me ask you this. You're, you're basically putting your faith and your trust and your hope into drugs to fill the void. How's that working out for you? It doesn't work out so good, no. So I imagine it makes you feel good for a while or it makes you forget. So I imagine there are, there's got to be some kind of good effects. That's why people do them. What are some of the bad ways that drugs have affected your life? Um, it took a lot of relationships, family, um, just a, a whole bunch of your friends. You know, it affects everyone, you know, everyone around you. You can't be, you can't be you just can't, you know, with, without, if you're using drugs, you can't, you can't really do too much. You know that God is good. Do you think that putting your trust and hope and faith in Jesus Christ seems like that would be a better way to go than to keep putting it in this, this drug habit that constantly just, just is screwing up your life in a million different ways? Uh, that's hundred percent right. You, you, you can't, if you don't find God, then you can't, you, you're not going nowhere. And, and let, let me be very honest with you. Cause I, and, I, and the only reason I'm going to say this, cause I care about you a lot. The more you're doing drugs, it's almost like as if you're replacing faith in God with faith in the drugs. Cause you're looking, you're looking for peace. You're looking for hope. You're looking for comfort. All those things in their truest form, can only come from God. The one who created you, he knows everything about you. He knows your pain. He knows everything you've been through. And he has shown his love for you when he sent his son to die on the cross. The only place it makes sense for us as humans to put our faith into is into Jesus Christ. That's the only one who's going to truly be able to 
wipe away every tear and, and comfort our sorrows, whatever you've been through in the past with your parents, with, with your experiences out in the street. I can't imagine how hard that has been. I can't imagine how painful that be. But I will tell you this. God understands everything about you, and he loves you in a way to where you can trust him. You can trust him. Yeah, I like, I like how you said that. Well, it's, it's, it's true, you know? And so what, I, what I'd like to do is just try to help find you a church around here, or even you talked about shelters before. Maybe you even know of a shelter that's like a Christian one. But see, see, it's one thing to go to a shelter to get your food, get your place to sleep, and, and just kind of check in and check out. And that's good. we got to get our physical needs taken care of. But I have seen homeless guys who go into a shelter and they start going to the church services there, not just because they want the people to like them so they can get more stuff, but actually desiring to learn about God. I've, I, I've known guys personally who have been homeless and then they've gotten right with God, and now they're not homeless anymore, and they're just like hardworking citizens with a good job and even a good family, simply because they followed God instead of following their their drugs. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's a simple thing just to just to give away something that's so addictive. But I am saying it's possible, and God promises that, that those who put their faith in Him, He won't turn them away, and and it's the best thing they could possibly do. What do you think about that? Um, I think that's probably the best possibility, especially when you're at your lowest. You know, even when you're not at your lowest, that's probably the best option you have. I realize that your life has been super hard, and and you're you're even in a lot of pain right now with your with your arm and just all the all the stuff you're going through. But I will say this: there is a God in heaven who created you, and He loves you, and He already proved His love for you when He sent His Son to die on the cross. That's how we know that God loves us. Not by looking around at our situation, but just knowing what God did. And again, if you trust in him, you won't regret it. You'll never regret it. Yeah, I like how you said that. Um, it feels good. You know, it feels good to have someone that you know that is, is not going to switch or change on you. Yeah, absolutely. God will never change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hey, man, thanks so much for talking to me. It's, 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 been, a, it's, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. And... Uh, I'm going to give you some information, try to give you some information about some churches around her and, and, you know, hoping to see you again around here. All right. Thank you so much, man. All right, man. That last five minutes got me all uh, <laughs> emotional again, remembering talking to him. Um, so you cannot have conversations like that if you're not willing to sit down and just listen. When I met him the second time, I gave him a ride to the restaurant and then we got food and then we ate food for a while and then the podcast started but during all that time i'm listening to him and you know of course i genuinely care about this guy because he is a human being created in god's image and if you are rushing through life not paying attention to the hurting people around you you're just not going to have conversations like that so conversation ended and the recording ended and then he tells me about this rehab place that was just a few blocks away that he had been to for a while and then gotten kicked out of because he didn't follow the rules. And so I asked him, I said, hey, man, you think it might be a good thing for you to get off drugs and get, you know, get your life right again, get right with God? And he said, yeah, I really want to do that. So I asked him, um, do you think if I took you back to that rehab place and you asked them, 
to give you another chance and that you're not going to, you're going to follow the rules this time. You think that they would let you in? And he said, yeah, probably. So that's exactly what he, what we did. I ended up driving him to the rehab place and dropped him off there. And last I saw him, he was uh, headed in. So I do have his phone number. I will be calling him back. Pray for Chase, man. Who knows what God could do with this this guy? And especially if he, if he gets cleaned up. You know, we haven't talked at all about the effects, the physical effects of drugs on the brain and how it just messes up your thinking. At one point when we were having lunch, a bird landed near us and he just looked at the bird and was really scared of it. And then he started talking about how the birds have been talking to him. So uh, obviously drugs are not a good thing. So I hope that the that these little conversations, you know, if anything, just encourage you to get out of your comfort zone, you know, get out there and just talk to people, listen to people and share the gospel with them. There's a whole world out there that needs Jesus Christ and some of them are in your backyard. Go talk to them. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please give it a good review on iTunes. This is the best way for others to notice Romans Road and give it a listen. The more Christians listening and learning how to evangelize, the more we glorify the Lord. Ray Comfort here. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, please take a moment to do so now. On your phone's podcast app, search for Romans Road, and when you find it, hit subscribe. It's free, and by doing so, you'll get all episodes past, present, and future. Then when you're finished, head over to livingwaters.com for a huge collection of evangelism videos, articles, tracks, and resources to help you share the gospel with those around you. That's livingwaters.com. Thanks for listening to Romans Road. If you want to learn how to evangelize, check out my book, Search and Rescue, available at eddyroman.com. On my website, you'll also find videos and other things to encourage you to preach the gospel to your friends and family. That's eddyroman.com. See you next time. Yeah.